Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where the life of Jesus meets yours. In this episode, we have our sermon from this past Sunday, the sixth Sunday in the season of Pentecost, the 4th of July, 2021, where we talk about the idea of freedom and independence. And after you finish, be sure to check out the show notes for our sermon discussion guide. Here goes. Dear fellow redeemed, on this 4th of July, the day we celebrate as Independence Day, that historically um, we think the Declaration of Independence was signed. What is it that makes an American an American? Or what is it that makes our country unique? Or to put it another way, if somebody were to say, what is it that makes America distinct and different? What would you say? And how would you summarize it as, as quickly and as clearly as possible? I would propose the, the word that we often hear is this idea of freedom. Maybe the idea of independence as the day when we declared independence. And as Americans, we have this, this you know, generational idea of freedom, the concept of freedom, that we aren't under another empire, that we are our own sovereign nation. That's how it all started, right? And that's where the signers of the the Declaration of Independence said, yes, I pledge here my signature, even forfeiting my, my fortune, my freedom, and my life. Perhaps it is that idea of freedom that really sets the American dream and the American idea apart from everything else. So then flip that question around and we'll ask it a different way. Set aside the patriotic holiday for a moment. What is it that makes a Christian a Christian? What is unique about the Christian faith and the faith which you and I hold so near and dear that is unique from everything else that this world has to offer? You might think of um, maybe some of the, the, the ideas that we've got, the concepts like you know, the resurrection or forgiveness as something full and free. Maybe you del- delve into the bag of vocabulary and pick out some big long word like objective justification, the idea that God declared the whole world to be not guilty. But I would propose, and especially in light of today's reading, today's readings, I would propose that the, uh, the concept and idea of freedom actually fits pretty well there as well. That concept of freedom, that Jesus says, if the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. Paul says at the beginning of Romans chapter 6 that you have been set free from the works of the law. Why would you go back to that? That you have been set free for the purpose of serving the Lord, for the purpose of serving God. And that idea kind of lingers in the background of of everything that we have. That the reality is, the reality is when, when God had his son nailed to that cross, when the eternal second person of the Trinity hung there on that cross, God nailed all of his punishment and all of our sin there. So that now there is nothing that opposes you or accuses you that you have been set free. You have been set free from the works of the law. You have been set free for the purpose of serving God. And maybe that's the difference. 
Because when we think about our American freedom, when we think about the annual celebration or celebrations of our American freedom, we think of the effort that each generation has put into preserving or even extending this freedom. We think of the people who maybe have served in the armed forces or who had, had gone overseas to bring freedom to people who had been oppressed through, through the act of a cruel and ruthless dictator, as we saw in World War II. You think of the people who have devoted their lives to the service and, um, and followed along wherever the government had them sent in order to extend and preserve the freedom in that place and to play their part in preserving that. When we talk about American freedom, that concept and that reality is something that each generation needs to hold on to and to think about and to work toward and to preserve for themselves. That's almost part and parcel of the annual celebrations that we have in our country, whether it's uh, Memorial Day or Flag Day or the Fourth of July, um, Independence Day, all the way down to Veterans Day in November. Almost part and parcel, it's the understated theme of our American society that each generation has to take up, take up the challenge for the next set of years. And that's where the concept of freedom diverges, that our American freedom is something that we need to keep working on and keep holding on to and remembering. And your Christian freedom, dear friend, was won for you completely at the cross and at the empty tomb. There in the resurrection of Jesus, you can say, yes, I've been set free. I've been set free completely. That, you know, when Satan says, or my sinful flesh tempts me, I don't have to say um, how high when they say jump. I can say, get away from me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Exactly as Peter says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. That he's not our boss anymore. And as we kind of wrap up our discussion of the small catechism, we take one final look at our new relation to God's law. We take a final look at our new relationship to God's law. And most of the time we see this um, when we get to reading through the Ten Commandments in worship or, or perhaps thinking through them whenever they happen to come up. And whether it was something that you had studied a long time ago or maybe you've reviewed them recently, do we really see these commands as something free? Or putting it differently, as people who have been set free, do we live like it? As people who have been set free by Jesus, do we live like we have the freedom that he says we have? And I think taking a look at those commandments might lead us toward saying, not really. Not as much as we could and not as much as we should. If you look at these commandments, you think of them and, and it looks almost like these, these ten rules handed down from Mount Sinai. These ten things that really constrain our freedom. These ten things. These ten things that we're supposed to do and not do. And that sinful flesh in us and, and maybe the American secular cultural side of us says, how can that be freeing? How can it be freeing if God is going to put limits on what I can do and what I can't do? If I want to have actual freedom, 
then you need to step aside. And especially if it's not hurting somebody else, then I should be free to do whatever it is that I want. And to that, all I can answer is, well, King David was free. There is no one more powerful than him in the entire land. He had been a warrior from his youth, and he's, you know, he had been a soldier for 30 or 40 years. By the time that we get to 2 Samuel 11, he had led armies into battle, and, and he had killed Goliath when he was just a young shepherd boy of 10 or maybe 11. King David had freedom. He could do whatever he wanted. But what he did was not in line with God's law. And we see how utterly enshackling it was. That his sin led to a snowball effect of sins, led to strife in his own life. And that's kind of what our first reading tilted us toward, that sometimes the suffering that we see in our lives is a result of our own sin. And it's the reminder that even though, even though we are free, maybe by seeing the reflection of suffering, we recognize that we are not. Even though we are free, exactly as Jesus said, in his resurrection and in your baptism, you were set free from the power of the devil, maybe we see that we're not truly free or we don't live as free people. And one of the mirrors that shows us we are not free is that concept of suffering in our own lives. Now there might be, there are times when suffering is completely not our fault or just the, the simple result of life in a sinful world. But you and I both know <laughs> that there are also times when suffering is the result of our own sin. And so that question, do we live as God's free people? His law really says, no. Do we live as God's free people when our words and our actions end up bringing suffering into the lives of others or into the lives of ourselves? Do we live as God's free people when the things that we might say behind somebody's back end up coming around and getting us? Do we live as God's free people when we're more concerned about maintaining our image than about bringing glory to our Lord? Do we live as God's free people on this Independence Day? <laughs> Who knows? I think the answer is, is no. And the reflection of God's law really tells us that that is the truth. That our sinful flesh still is enslaved and that there's still almost that enemy within that would pull us towards sin, that still that enemy within that would love nothing more than for us to be distracted from the word of God and love nothing more than to indulge the sinful flesh or to say, if I want to be free, then why is it, why is it that my God who promises freedom doesn't actually give me the freedom that he talks about? So what does freedom look like? Isn't that the actual question? On this Independence Day, we talk about um, do we live as God's free people? If, we, if we're going to live as God's free people, we have to know what that freedom looks like. And it's not being driven along by guilt. And it's not being driven along by regret. Regret. 
And it's not just simply keeping up a good facade and a good face and pretending that everything is okay and then jumping at every opportunity for negativity and gossip whenever it arises. Living as God's free people means remembering who you are, that you've been buried with Jesus and you've been raised with Jesus, and that as God's free person, you now stand before him in righteousness and holiness forever. Even as, at the same time, at the same time, that sinful flesh will certainly try to pull you away and will certainly tempt you to take advantage of whatever opportunities arise, that sinful flesh will certainly try to diminish every good work that you do as a Christian. But dear friend, you are free. That's what Paul talks about in, in 2 Timothy 1. He says in verses, I don't know, 8, 9, and 10, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, join with me in suffering for the gospel while relying on the power of God. That, yes, maybe we see by reflection that sometimes suffering in our lives is a result of our own sin, that we don't live as free people. And sometimes we see from our reflection in God's law that we don't live as free people by the things that we do and the things that we don't do. But then there's that spot right in the middle where Paul says, join with me in suffering for the gospel. That our sinful flesh hates the idea of suffering and wants nothing more than absolute freedom, whatever that looks like. And Paul says, freedom is, is suffering for Jesus. Freedom is knowing that, that I don't have to hold on so tightly to every blessing here in the, in, the, in the hopes that somebody else isn't going to take it away from me. Freedom isn't this question of personal autonomy. Freedom is the question of who is it that I actually serve? Do I serve the slave-driving master called Satan and self? Or do I serve my Lord, my Savior, who has set me free and who has promised me everything? That's exactly what he says here. Join with me in suffering for the gospel <laughs> and relying on the power of God. And he goes on. He saved us and called us with a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. In other words, dear Christian, you have been set free, not just set free from sin, but set free for service. And that still is freedom. And that is a greater freedom than we could know anywhere else. That's a greater freedom than our nation could promise and our armed services could guarantee. That is a greater freedom than you or I or any other unbeliever would ever know. To be set free from sin so that you internally can say, you know what, I recognize I recognize that I'm being tempted to this particular sin right now. And my flesh really actually likes that particular sin. But I don't have to listen because the real me is the Christian. The real me is the Christian who has been set free. And not just set free from sin, but set free to serve my Lord. That's what freedom actually looks like. So that when we have those explanations to the commandments, you notice they all begin in the same way, except for the first commandment. Commandments 2 through 10 all begin, we should fear and love God that we do not do X, but we do do Y. But it puts it in this context of why do we do what we do? 
that we're not driven along by guilt and shame and drudgery. But, dear Christian, as a result of having been set free by your Lord, let us fear and love God in freedom, that we refrain from sin and look for opportunities of service, that the American freedom that we have is something that needs to be preserved from generation to generation, and different people have worked to preserve it over the last 250 years almost. But the freedom you have as a Christian is a freedom that Jesus won for you and is a freedom that lasts forever. And it's ours to use to his glory. Not in the American sense of a freedom that says, you can't tell me what I have to do and what I, what I can't do, but in the Christian sense of using my freedom to serve the other, not because I have to, not because I'm driven along by guilt or shame, but because by serving another person, serving one another, that is how I serve my Lord. That is how I practice and exercise the freedom that Jesus has won for me. And dear friend, you are free indeed. You could think of it this way. Um, yeah, it was a year ago today, it was last year, we got together with some friends for an outdoor picnic uh, at their house and, uh, you know, grill out and 4th of July, fantastic, sparklers and the whole bit with all the kids. And um, at some point during their, during their celebration, the, the host said, kind of sheepishly, he said, my family always had this little tradition growing up where we would, um, we would put Stars and Stripes Forever on, on the radio or on the cassette or on the CD, and then all the kids would march in a parade around the backyard. And then once everybody was done with that, then we sat down and we read the Declaration of Independence together. And he said it almost sheepishly, like, you know, guys, I know this is weird, but can we do this anyway? <laughs> you know? And so we did. I'm like, I'm, I'm a big John Philip Sousa fan and um, marched in a lot of parades, playing a lot of his music. But that was really the first time since probably high school civics class that I had read through the Declaration of Independence. And, um, and the first time that my wife had ever heard it, you know, coming from, coming from Canada, that's not a major part of their curriculum. And listening to it all the way down to that concluding statement that we, the undersigned, basically pledge our lives and our fortunes and our freedom rather than to our signature, something like that. And just seeing that in this American context of American freedom, of stars and stripes, and everybody's wearing red, white, red, white and blue. And it just kind of gave, at least for me, a newer, better understanding of what our American freedom looks like. We don't just gather here once a, once a year to celebrate our freedom. And we don't gather here with the same um, accoutrement, we don't, with the same celebrations that, that we have with the 4th of July, like, I don't know that we've ever had fireworks at church. <laughs> but we do have our own songs of freedom. We do have our own um, decorations and our own images that declare this freedom. We do have, actually, a reality of freedom as we gather together, not to march around a backyard, but to stand around a table 
where Jesus says, dear Christian, here's your freedom again. Here's the reminder of who you are, that you have been set free from guilt and shame. You've been set free from service to the devil and slavery in his, in following him, and slavery to self. And you've been set free, actually free, for service to another. And in that service to one another, <laughs> you're also serving your Lord. So what is it that makes an American an American, makes a Christian a Christian? I think there's a lot of commonality, at least in the word, freedom. That as Americans, we celebrate our freedom, and as Christians, we do too. But the concept is very different. Where the American freedom says, I am free to do what I want, and you can't tell me otherwise, the Christian freedom says, I've been set free from my Lord, and I am here to serve another. Where the American freedom takes time and energy over generation to generation, even down to the recitation and the reading of the Declaration or the, the music, in order to preserve that concept of freedom. And for the Christian, maybe it's similar. That even though Jesus won our freedom completely, and it is our complete and full possession from the time of your baptism to today, at the same time, at the same time our Lord has seen fit to preserve the use of the catechism as a handbook for instructing his people and instructing his church. And so that's why we review it. <laughs> not as the rereading of the Declaration of Independence, but a rereading of God's declaration of your freedom and mine. Set free from sin, set free to serve. Amen. <laughs>